Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. His name's Craig. I uh, completely screwed up today, buddy. I, I I was just thinking about it. It hit me suddenly, right as you were playing the music. Today is December the 19th as we're recording. I know this comes out on the 20th. It's my dad's birthday. <laughs> now, what's funny is I knew it was my dad's birthday yesterday. I knew it was my dad's birthday when I woke up today. I knew I had to call dad. And then while I was in the course of things this morning, I'm looking at my fantasy football league, and I realize that the Jared Goff uh, uh, stack correction, which I think was going through all of fantasy football, actually affected my league, and I had missed it as a a commissioner. It didn't change the playoff matchups, but it changed the second-round playoff matchups because the number one seed has a bye, or the top two seeds have a bye, and the one that's number one gets to pick their next opponent in the next round or something like that, right? And I was going to, and I actually was going to have the wrong team pick their opponent. And then all of a sudden I realized that, no, 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 wait, that game was different. The standings are different. It's a different team that's the number one seed. And then I, my heart sinks and I go, did the right teams make it into the playoffs this past weekend? So by the time I sort the whole thing out, I'm wrapped up in the fact that as a commissioner, I almost screwed up the entire thing by not noticing the stat correction. But luckily, all the seeds would have stayed the same. Even with the changed game, it just changes this one thing that happens to only have an impact this week. So I call my dad who's in the league on the phone, and I spent 10 minutes talking about it, hung up the phone, and then just remembered, I never said happy birthday to him. (laughs) (laughs) And that guy is sitting at his house right now, and he's like, did he forget my birthday? He'll call back. Should I call him and tell him it's my birthday? Like, I mean, like right now, that's what I've done to my father. And he's going to have to wait till the end of this, this, this recording. So he's got 30 more minutes of sitting there wondering why his oldest son didn't wish him a happy birthday when he called him up to talk about a fantasy football error. <laughs> you're, you're, to- you're torturing your dad. We're torturing Pirates I'm so fans. Bad. I'm so bad. Uh. I really am. And, like, and you know, he's going to be understanding because he knows I'm going through this divorce, right? He knows, that, he knows all yeah. the stuff I'm dealing with. He knows I'm stressed. He knows that, like, like it's just like my world is upside down the last four months. So he's just going to be like, oh, he just forgot about my birthday because, you know, he's going through a lot. Poor guy. Like, I mean, he's just going to go on about but it. But he remembered fantasy football. But, well, yeah. He, he made sure that was taken care of. I did screw up the stat correction thing for an entire weekend where I could have had the wrong matchups just finish their games and would have been like, uh-oh. And I screwed the whole thing up and just noticed it today. So clearly I am a little discombobulated by what's going on in my personal life. But it rolled into forgetting to tell my dad happy birthday when I talked to him on the phone today. Even though I know it's his birthday. 
even though I had it marked out on my calendar, even though I told the kids, don't forget about Papa's birthday today. And, and then when I called him, I was so fired up about the thing I found in fantasy football, I completely forgot to bring it up. So, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm lost. Happy holidays. It's okay. Like, I mean, like I, <laughs> I, I'm doing all the Christmas shopping. Like, my wife's, not, my wife's gone, right? I got, I got the kids. Yeah. The kids have been with me. We're coming up on, like, 120 days, and I've had them in my possession for 118 of them. Like, that's how this is going at this point, right? Which is good for me. And also, I'm exhausted. And I have had to do all the Christmas stuff and all the stuff I never had to do. I have to do. I have to keep track of every little thing. Like, the youngest one is eight. There's stuff that needs to be done on a daily, nightly basis that I have to take care of. That there is nobody to remind me, like, hey, did you do this? Right? To keep the whole season going. And so I am just like, like, I'm at that point right now where I'm frazzled. I'm at about four hours of sleep a night. I forgot Dad's birthday. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Chris. As long as I all mean, the it's... Amazon packages show up by Christmas, I'm going to be fine. But right now, that's where yeah, I'm. As at. long as the as long as the kids as long as the kids get their Christmas, <laughs> dad dad will forgive. He will forgive the right. uh, the miss slip on the birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like right now, I'm like I'm the guy in the family who everybody has to take care of, like my sister, my dad, my mother. So like I'm sure they've already been on the phone with each other. Like idiot called me up and didn't even wish me a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and my I sister's probably this. like, I'll call him and remind him. Like, they, they just think I'm an idiot. Like, I'm the idiot. I'm the idiot of the family right now. Yeah, that's what I am. You don't have to, you don't have to be relied on for anything. Yeah, that's why you need to tell me what the Pirates did this week. Like, we were just going to start the show, and I'm like, we got Perez, starting pitcher? <laughs> <laughs> like, You're like, what is I'm going so on far here? Behind. I'll tell you this. My reaction to him joining the team, though, is one, nice pickup. That's a professional pitcher. That's a guy who's definitely a mid-rotation guy, okay? that's a, You need a guy like that if you're going to contend. If he has a good year, you're happy with it. One year? I mean, I know maybe it's because of his age, but I'm getting so tired of the one-year rentals. And if you look at what you got with Marco Gonzalez, you're not giving him $15 million next year. He's not – I don't think you are. Maybe you are, but I, I just don't imagine the, the, the Pirates doing it. Maybe they are going to do it. Maybe he really is here for two years. I mean, if you look at the going rate for pitchers right now, the suckiest pitcher getting signed – is getting fifteen million a year. I mean, like everybody's getting fifteen million a year. I mean, I, I'm I, like I'm back to the idea that I want to have my kids like I want to take them out of school and teach them how to throw a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball because you could be the worst <laughs> pitcher in Major League Baseball in this offseason and get fifteen million dollars a year. But I mean, like, like to me, there's a lot of one-year deals. Okay, Telez is a one-year deal. Like, we're, I don't like this. I wanted guys that were here for three. I wanted to start seeing team building. Now, if you're doing this because the market, and, and, and that's the only excuse I could make if I try to play devil's advocate and make an excuse for Ben Charrington. If you're saying, you know what, we can't wait until February to make all these moves. And we have so many holes in our rotation that we have to get some arms in there. If you're not done yet, and you go and you sign somebody eventually to a three-year deal, as, 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 the, as the chairs get taken away in the game of musical chairs is to where all these free agent starting pitchers are going because now you find somebody you can get for multiple years at a price tag you like, like a Sean Manaya, let's say, who wouldn't be a bad pitcher, always has a very low witch or, or whip or, 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 or a Michael Lorenzen or let, even go further down the list and, and grab, grab like a, a, you know, I don't know. I'm, I, it's very difficult. Like, do you think he can fix a, fix a Brad Keller that's out there or a, a Chris Flexen still has something. I mean, he had shown some flashes in Seattle and you're like, you know what? This guy would be good on a three year low budget deal in the back end of your bullpen, but they have a lot of work that they have to go and do. And they can't just have 
Mitch Keller and four one-year contracts in the rotation. That bothers me. I really wish they would have addressed first base better than a one-year deal to Telez, who's coming off a terrible season. That's my concern. Yeah, it's a lot of like these, you know, what if bounce back candidates and, and even some of the, the teams that sign players like I, I know Pirates fans were a little bit upset about, you know, the whole Jack Flaherty thing, probably just getting outbid by the Tigers. Oh, he got, he got, like, they got outbid. They weren't going to give him that much for a one year deal. I don't think. And they, and they, they weren't. And then the other thing is this, in the end, that division is more winnable and that ballpark is a little bit more conducive to getting Flaherty better metrics and stats for when he hits free agency the next year. It just might have been a better situation for him. I, w- I mean, if the Pirates offered the same amount of money, he may have picked Detroit based upon the trajectory of the team right now in a weak American League Central Division that is there for the taking. Any one of those teams could probably win that, okay? And and if they build their team in the offseason correctly – and with the ballpark he'd be playing in, and you know, it could just be a comfort thing. He was like, "This is where I would rather be." I don't, I don't think the Pirates lost out on him because they were they were overly cheap. He wanted a one year deal. Yeah, he wanted a one year deal, and and Pirates fans, you know, don't like that. But even in him, it would still be kind of a hope because he hasn't pitched well since I believe it was like 2021. He's had like two years in a row, Jack Flaherty, where he's kind of struggled with the whip, struggled with the ERA. And hasn't been the same type of pitcher. Yes, he's younger. I think he's around 28, where Martin Perez is 32. I'm not saying I'm like happy or ecstatic with this deal. I think that I think we have a lot of deals that people have described, and even I've thought of in some ways as in a vacuum, each of these deals is not a terrible deal. But when you look at the collective, when you look at, you know, Rowdy for one year and he got like $3.2 million, he has like, I think it was like $800,000 in incentives. He's not going to get all those incentives because part of those incentives were like winning league MVP. So like Rowdy Telez, sorry, dude, I don't think you're winning league MVP. But I see like the point there of people is that, you know, in a vacuum, you know, if you can get Rowdy for... $3.2 million. He can return to his form that he was in 2022 when he hit, you know, 35 home runs. Okay. And you're paying for cheap power. I would rather have that as if he was our DH and paying for cheap power because he's also not an exceptional fielder over there at first base. Hold on a second, though. Maybe he is that, though. Maybe him and Connor Joe are going to be like a lefty, righty platoon DH type thing. That could also sometimes fill in at first. If you went out and got a first baseman now, if you still did what we said they should do, which is, you know, it's about time to start trying to win. Go out and sign somebody to a three-year deal or four-year deal. Go get Hoskins, you know, go, go get, you know, there's first basemen that are floating out there that you might sit there and say, Hey, this guy could be the first baseman long-term. Now, maybe you go get to because what if we miss out on the guy that we want at first base? Okay, fine. But I don't think him being signed is prohibitive of you going and getting a first baseman either through a signing in a trade or a trade that is long-term. See what I'm saying? Like, you could still go get yeah. your long-term first baseman and say the Telez deal makes sense because Connor Joe is not an everyday DH, right? I mean, it, right now you no. would almost slot him in there. And, I mean, you would make the argument for it. But, I mean, like, the, it, like they have some space because this is no longer pitchers going up to the plate. 
that extra DH spot now. That, that you know, I you could see them saying, okay, we went and got a bat, but he really isn't going to be playing every day, or we're going to be moving things around. You could still go get a first baseman. That, that's the thing. Like as a fan. I think it's okay to hold out hope that there still is a long-term pitching deal and a long-term first base deal that's on the way, either through a trade or a signing. And then that makes this so much more logical because you had so many holes to fill. You're like, well, the market hasn't shown up yet for the trade that we want to get done, or the market hasn't shown up yet for the long-term deal. But we have so many things that we need to address. We could do a couple of one-year deals so that the base is there for when we make that addition in February or we make that addition in January, we make that addition around spring training, right? And so, like, like, let's make sure that we're not just standing there with nothing if that doesn't come to fruition. It doesn't mean you're not still trying to do it, right? It is not a successful offseason, though, if you go into spring training with a couple of these one-year deals for these, these caliber players. You did not do enough, okay? I think, I think Pirates fans would be allowed when spring training starts if this is the route they're taking to be disappointed and, and angry, personally. I think that at that point, I'd be like, you got to a point where you could have done a lot more and you kind of punted. And you did a lot. We've been watching over the last couple of years. Like, you talk about a vacuum. Well, it's not a vacuum. Pirates fans have been sitting around watching these one-year prove-it deals and guys you're going to flip at the trade deadline now for half a decade. Like, at some point, it's got to be something else, or they're fully justified in getting angry about it. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. The water's getting even murkier, Chris, with the, the reports that are out there that, you know, Andrew McCutcheon is going to sign back with the Pirates. Yeah, that's a bad sign. As, 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 as early as, like, Christmas. Yeah, like, they think they're gonna, it's going to get done this week. And, and it's it's a very weird signing because uh, when we had Jason Mackey on, as soon as like the season ended or right before the season ended, we were saying if McCutcheon comes back, he needs to play more in the field so he doesn't, you know, take that whole DH spot up. Not that he performed poorly last year, but I feel like we could get guys that could perform better and we should be taking more of a step forward. Well, now we have with the uh, – the acquisition of Edward Oliveras from the Royals uh, in the trade that we did, we basically have like three right fielders at this point in time on our roster. We have him, we have Joshua Palacios and we have Connor Joe and none of them are full-time like right fielders. 
So even if you get McCutcheon back, it's showing me right now, like, unless you're going to, like, I don't know, DFA one of those guys, trade one of those guys. I don't know what it would be for – It would for uh, Palacios would probably be the DFA. The other guys, you know, you're not going to trade a guy you just got unless you're the Atlanta Braves. You didn't invest a ton into Palacios either. He was a triple-A rule five selection. So, I mean, like, that's not – Yeah, you know. and, and you didn't. You didn't, but then – I mean, I just I don't see like if you bring McCutcheon back, I, it seems to me that McCutcheon is your everyday DH again. I don't know if he could play the field, and I and I want McCutcheon back, but I I feel like it's do you want McCutcheon back once again? Hold on a second. Do you want him back? Change his name and ma- call him any other name. No, I, then if you change his name, I don't I don't want that player okay, back. Okay, that's I, that, I and that's the point. Okay, like that. That's why I don't like Andrew McCutcheon coming back to the Pirates because I think it makes your team unserious about 2024. I think I really do. At that point, I would say, uh oh. Uh, yeah, they were a little bit ahead of schedule last year, but we're not taking advantage of it. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be a team that goes out again, and you hope you have a puncher's chance of being a 500 team, and you have a little bit of hope in the summer. But I don't know if you're a playoff contender. And, 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 you know, I'm sorry. I look at this team and I look at what they had in terms of youth and I look at the, the, the room that they should have payroll-wise and I go, you could, you could do some things here to make yourself more of a contender. Now, again, if the idea of these one-year deals is to fill some of the holes that are sitting there so it becomes more manageable and then they go out and they get themselves a real pitcher – and they make a trade to get a real first baseman, and even if they get McCutcheon, let's say they get McCutcheon, but and they and they get rid of they get rid of uh, Palacios, and they, and they go okay, um, but then we're still going to go out and find another outfielder because now some kind of opportunity came along. Who knows? Who knows if they have if they if if they're if they do start making moves that are more long term, better in terms of like better better quality player. Then, then I would be like, okay, I'm okay now. I'm, I'm, you're doing so right now. The way the team is constructed and what they're picking up doesn't make me feel like they're going to be any better than they were last year. How many wins have they added to this team? That I guess that's the question I would ask. You got a couple competent starting pitchers. Do you think that that all of a sudden changes them into a team that's a playoff contender? And I, I don't think that the answer to that is yes, because then what they're saying is what we need is all of our young players to all take another step. And if they don't, it's the same season as last year. And that seems very unserious to me. I don't know how you look at your fan base and say, come on out to the ballpark. It's going to be the best season you know, that we've had in a long time and, and, and convince people who are really paying attention that that's true. Yeah, and, and I kind of look towards you know at least parts of last offseason. Like when we went out and traded for G-Man Choi, but then – Sign Carlos Santana, and I know those are both like you know one year type of deals, but just because Ben Charrington made one move to like potentially fill a hole, he still went out and and you know made some other moves, and, and I'm still hopeful for that. I just think that I mean you're creating a a logjam with you know having two regular outfielders in in Reynolds and Sawinski. And then you have three guys who should be fourth outfielders competing for that third spot. You bring McCutcheon back. And if you bring McCutcheon back, is he going to be the platoon for, for Rowdy Telez if you go out and get another first baseman? I guess he could be. It just seems like 
I'm hopeful that what you're saying, Chris, and what I'm thinking now is that, you know, maybe you're making these moves so you don't get caught completely empty handed and you make these moves while they're in front of you, as opposed to like throwing all of your chips in at one point in time. And then you have either Reese Hoskins deciding he's going to go somewhere else or, you know, a certain pitcher is going to go somewhere else or a trade falls through because, you know, a team says, you know what, we end up getting this free agent. So maybe we're going to go for it more. or Maybe we're going to hold on to this guy for a little bit longer because we didn't get to fill the hole that was going to be left by him. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on and it is your dad's birthday, December 19th. I, maybe I'll call your dad before this show's over and wish him a happy birthday first, but there is time to, to make these types of moves happen. It's just, I feel like, I think pirates fans and even us thought that they would have made one of those moves by this point with what Ben Sherrington had said about, you know, we want to win over 84 wins. We want to be more competitive. I, attacking you know the free agent and trade market well i mean they have made a decent amount of moves especially for the pirates prior to the new year but they really haven't done anything you know different than they did last offseason last offseason they traded for connor joe this offseason they they trade for you know edward Olivares. it's not really been any different they gave a one-year deal to rich hill they give a one-year deal to, to, to Martin Perez, the same price. They, you know, go out and get Marco Gonzalez, which ends up being the same price as uh, a Vince Velasquez, who you're hoping that, you know, Gonzalez is healthy. You were hoping that, you know, Velasquez could bounce back. So, I mean, it's a lot of the, it is a lot of the same stuff. It's been, it's actually been pretty much the same off season to this point. Yeah, I would say so. That's a, I think that's my concern. My concern is that I haven't seen the new thing happen. You know, I, I guess the only new thing that I I think there's a better quality of starting pitcher. That that's the thing. I, I feel, I I feel like, like I was I was thinking they were bringing like one guy. You know, I think they bring it like if they, if this was still rebuild, and we weren't actually, like if it was like we really want to just be developing players still. I don't know if you add Gonzalez and Perez. Because I think you're leaving a lot of room for those guys that you want to see at the major league level. So that's the only thing that makes me feel better. Because you've got Keller, Perez, and Gonzalez now, for certain, in your rotation, probably up towards the top of it. You still have four and five slots where you're going to be using like young players. I think. What, but again, I think I think that adding another pitcher would then really make me feel like you were trying to be competitive this year, right? Like if you want to be competitive. You tell all those other pitchers that are in your minors or those middling guys, you tell them all you want to pitch on this team, take somebody's job because one of these guys is only here for a year anyway. So why wouldn't we remove him if you were able to outperform him and take his job in Perez? And Gonzalez is an option. He can be moved out of the way as well. I mean, we've been saying that for years now with the pitching staff. And, and that's always been my biggest fear with this Pirates rebuild. The pitching, the pitching is not at the same level as the players the the prospects in the pitching side have not been developing as quickly as the players that are that, that are in your system so I I don't think there should be a lot of room for the young guys in the rotation personally I think it should be something they have to fight their way into you know 
If you saw, you know, I understand that you want to have like maybe one spot in your in your five man rotation. I want to see one more pitcher brought in, essentially. Yeah. And then and then basically that fifth starter spot is a competition between three four guys. You have you have Keller, you have Perez and Gonzalez, you have the other pitcher that you go out and you get this off season. And then that last spot is a is a competition spot for the fifth starter. And then after that, you better be pitching your tail off either in AAA or coming out of the bullpen as well, like somebody who's stretched out that you're using for like long relief that is one of those potential starters that move in there, that you're stealing Perez's job or Gonzalez's job because you've earned it, okay, or taking the job from the guy who wins the fifth starter spot out of spring training and then falls on his face, which is also possible as well. But, like, that's, where, that's how I would set up my staff. I would say these deals – that you've gone and gotten for your pitchers, I'm okay with if you add one more. Otherwise, it's a lot of the same stuff. Otherwise, I share that sentiment that, like, what are you doing differently that you haven't done the last couple of years? And that that was not you – weren't you weren't signing Jose Quintana because you were trying to compete, right? You weren't signing Dick Mountain because you, you wanted to compete, right? Rich Hill wasn't on your team because you were trying to compete. These guys were just there to be veteran presences on, pro, on one-year deals, okay, that you could flip. That's what you were there for, yeah. right? So you weren't trying to be competitive. So now as a fan, if you look at what you're doing right now, you're like, what is, what is different? Okay? So there's an uneasiness, and I think it's a normal, natural uneasiness to have when you see a bunch of one-year deals. You sit there and say, oh, I guess we're going to go do the same thing that we've been doing, and we're going to hope that you were able to, to – your scouting was able to figure out something, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like, you're going to hope to catch lightning in a bottle, but that's not what Pirates fans are looking for here. And I don't think you hamstring yourself financially, even with a low budget from a cheap owner. I don't think you hamstring yourself financially going out and signing somebody to a multi-year deal. Is that, is that, is that the kind of team? Is that, is that, is, I mean, this would be so scary, but is that, is that how the team's going to be run? You're either somebody that's in the system that they have control with, with arbitration years, or you're a one-year deal. So you could be constantly just let, let out of town and somebody else comes back in. That's not how you run a baseball team. Then at that point, then the Pirates are just uh, just a team that occupies a stadium in Pittsburgh, and it's a place to go just hang out with friends during the summer. It's not a competitive team. Yeah, and I think it's a piece of that, Chris, is that I mean, obviously they've been successful with the one-year deals for what they've been worth. We've talked about before, like a Tyler Anderson, a Jose Quintana. Oh, you're, you're, su- you're, successful, you're successful for what you were trying to accomplish, but yeah. you didn't accomplish anything of any value. I don't remember, no, I don't remember making that's what the postseason I'm saying, yeah. in the last couple of years. No, no. So that's what I'm saying. So like, it was almost like that it was bad that the, not bad, but it's, it's weird that it's like those guys succeeded. So I don't want Charrington to get too comfortable and thinking this is something I can just do every year. And then eventually all these guys from the minor leagues will come and fill it up because what we've seen so far is, is that we've seen a lot of these guys come up and either regress as a Contreras and a Luis Ortiz did or they come up and they fall flat on their face like many rookies do, like a Quinn Priester did. So eventually, and like you said, it, pitching is so I don't hard. Know too many, pitching is so hard. It's so hard because that's the thing. I think I think it's easier to be able to develop a positional player and a hitter than it is a pitcher because these guys get these weird injuries. Uh, they they have to develop pitches that they didn't have. Like when you draft these guys, they don't come walking out with four different pitches that they pitch well. 
So you need to train them to do all kinds of things that they haven't even done before, and you're just going off of the potential of it. A prospect pitcher getting to the majors and being good is, is, is a long journey fraught with all kinds of ways that it goes bad. So if, the, if, if that was his plan, then I would say it's a very flawed plan and it's going to fail. Because you are, not going to, you are not going to have enough guys work out. Because by the time you get a couple of these guys up here, then a few of them are going to be no longer in control. And if they are good pitchers, they will demand far more money than what you're willing to pay them. Like Mitch Keller goes out this year, let's say, has a massive season and plays really well. I don't think he's a Boris client, but he would be by the end of the year. You understand? <laughs> like that's, he would, he yeah. would be a Boris client by the end of the year. If he goes out... And he has like a whip of like 1.19 this year. And he does everything that you've always been waiting for him to do. And he becomes a real ace. He'll be a Boris client by the end of the year. And he will go to free agency. And you will not be able to afford him. So the problem with that, yeah. the problem with that theory is that at some point, if it does work out for you, that guy's leaving. Because you're not the team that's going to give him two, $300 million in a long-term deal. You're not that team. Somebody else is going to get him. He'll be playing for the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Braves or several other teams that are floating out there that can spend that kind of money. He will not be a pirate as long as Bob Nunning is the owner. So the problem that you have is you're waiting on pitchers, the most volatile of all prospects, to come up and they're not filling one place. It's not like you're a developing second baseman and you just need one. You need five plus depth for injuries and things that happen. So you need seven, okay? You need seven starting pitchers. And you relying on the most volatile of all prospects to be able to find seven starting pitchers and then hope that they're good enough for you to win but not good enough for them to leave you, that is threading a needle, man. That that is an impossible dream, right? That's like something out of scripture where like the people that get into heaven have to pass through the eye of a needle or whatever that phrase is like that. that, That's pretty daunting stuff right there. Okay. So, I mean, like that's, I'm just saying like that can't be the plan. And that's why the one year deals concern me. Yeah. It doesn't leave much room for error. And like you said, the reason the pirates, are in the situation they are right now is because of injury and players not fully developing or, you know, taking steps backwards, which happens a lot of the times with prospects and you're not going out and getting like legitimate proven players. Like Rowdy Telez is he's, he's a professional baseball player. He's not like an all-star. He's not, you know, an MVP. He's not that type. He's a professional baseball player. Martin Perez, for one of his seasons, pitched like an all-star and was like a four-war pitcher. But for the most part, around his career, he's he's been like a, you know, a one-war, sometimes below that type. So he's a professional pitcher. But you're not getting these guys that are going to be, you know, impact players for one, two, three, four years. You're getting a guy that you're hoping you get the best version of until you know july 31st meanwhile dealing with you know injuries to pitchers like jt brubaker last year like mike burrows and this year johan oviedo and now andy being out so i mean you have you know all of this different stuff that you're dealing with and then you're gonna say okay but yeah jared jones and paul skeens and anthony salamito 
are going to work out. Meanwhile, Quinn Priester, Rowanzi Contreras, and Luis Ortiz are going to bounce back and be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. It's it's not really a realistic no. outlook for a they team. Need to, they need to keep adding. They need, to, they need to find that guy who's not a one-year deal in their rotation. They need to have some more stability than what they have. And uh, and 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 Rowdy or what? What's his real first name? His name is Ryan John Telez. He was named Rowdy by his grandma in his mother's belly. <laughs> that is some hillbilly stuff right there. <laughs> My wife's from Wheeling. Okay, uh, you, you know, I, I think Pittsburgh Pirates fans know exactly what that means. She's down there in Wheeling, <laughs> West Virginia. She was living in Mingo Junction. Man. That sounds like something her kinfolk would say. <laughs> <laughs>